Hey, John, we're back for another working session, man. I'm really excited to, to see your face again and, and jump in and talk about uh, some business updates and some other stuff too. I mean, we've got a website now, workingsessions.fm is out there. It's rocking and rolling. Shout out to transistor.fm, our hosting platform for making it really easy to get a minimum viable website out there so that we can start sharing that with folks soon. But yeah, maybe, maybe we'll just jump straight into the updates, man. I know we've got a couple of topics that we might want to cover after that, but do you want to talk about Editor Ninja first or do you want me to talk about Castaway? You know, I'll go ahead and rock on it, James. Yeah, that website looks good. Thank you for getting that live. And I sent it directly to someone last night and they subscribed on Spotify. I was like, all right, first subscriber, here we go. Let's yeah. let's do this thing. So stoked to get the official launch out there. We're recording this in early March. It's March 3rd today we're recording this. And one of the funny things about living in Denver, James, is that people are always like, oh, it must be really cold there. It's going to be <laughs> 70 degrees today and I'm wearing shorts. <laughs> Ooh. But we're going to get eight inches of snow up at Breckenridge this weekend. So welcome to Colorado weather getting into late winter. But yeah, man, jumping into it. So I guess Editor Ninja update. It's been a couple of weeks. Obviously, I'm still running at my other company, Credo, as well, right? So it's kind of splitting splitting time. Um, still spending more time on Credo than I am on Editor Ninja. But Editor Ninja's taking up a lot of my brain space these days. So there's, there's a few things that have gone on and a few things that I'm testing out as well. So but just a quick update is... Um, First of all, I built out, like I, we have documents coming in, people, you know, looking to get them edited and sometimes they come in overnight. And the way I have my schedule set up is that basically I don't look at work stuff until about 8am my time, but my editors are on the East coast and one of them signs off by 11 their time. <laughs> so 9am my time. So if I've been doing all the, the document scheduling, right, it comes in, I assign it when it starts like that kind of thing. And if there's a bunch of them, that's fine. Right. But something comes in overnight, we want to start working on it that next day. And so basically I built out kind of a, uh, I call it the managing editor level. So one of, one of my editors, Sophia, who also works with me at Credo, I actually set up kind of a level within Credo so that she can actually do document assigning in the morning. And then I do it in the evening. So that's interesting kind of setting up our, like kind of starting to plan out what our organization looks like. And it's making me really like plan one thing that I've, I did, did not do well at Credo was I kind of did everything myself. And now I'm kind of being forced to build a team, which is cool. It's like a lesson that I've really learned at Credo is build a good team that can do things that you don't like doing. But in the early days, like you obviously have to do a lot more, but that's been good from an operations perspective, just like better product for our customers. One thing that I've been thinking about though, is we're, uh, we're not scaling yet, right? We're so early, very few customers, but you know, doing quite a few demos and such. I'll get into that in a minute in the challenges, but one thing that I would love to kind of throw out to the listeners, and James, you might have an idea on this, is sure. I'm trying to figure out, is there any good software out there for managing editor availability? So we've got like contractor editors that like this one is available from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time, Wednesday through Friday, right? Like that kind of thing. So I'm trying to figure out like, it's kind of capacity planning. And I've not done that before in a in a real way. So I don't know if you have anything on that. I found a couple, one that I found was, I think it's called Connect Team that I, I think kind of does that, like employee scheduling, time clock management for like digital companies, right? Like online timesheets, that sort of thing. But yeah. I don't know if there's anything else out there. And it's just a thought of, okay, once we add on two more editors, we're gonna need something like this to make sure that we're not over-scheduling people or under-scheduling people, make sure we're managing capacity well, so. Yeah, I know the capacity piece with like how many active assignments a person has, Airtable's got a solution for that where you would have a data field that's basically the name of the mm -hmm. editor. And then you can have a view and you can say, what does Stacy have on her plate right now? What does Ken have on his plate right now? Whatever. So that that can do like the capacity piece as far as like 
the timing. It kind of sounds like you want to solve for, hey, a new order just came in or a new project assignment, whatever. There's an account manager or there's somebody on the team who got that notification and now they need to assign it to somebody. How do they remember all the different time slots and who's available and who's offline? I don't have a good right. answer for that piece. But the one thing I was mm -hmm. thinking is, can you use, I know there are a lot of like Chrome extensions for remote teams now where it's like you add your team members and their physical location. You just click the extension. It has a drop down with their face and it says it's 9 a.m. for Stacy. It's 3 p.m. for Ken. It's whatever for John. So it shows you what time it is locally for wherever wow. they're at. But I'm wondering if you could use something like that and then give them a custom name. So instead of being like John Doherty, it's John Doherty 3 a.m. to 9 PM or whatever, yeah. like you give, you put yeah. the field right in there. So then your team member could quickly hit that drop down and be like, okay, right now it's 9am for John. And right next to his name, it says he only works 11 to four. I can't use John. Right. Right. Totally. And, and early on, that's fine. Like I'm, I'm great yeah. holding stuff together with bubble gum and duct tape for a little while as we're like, I, I don't like something I'm, I'm being aware of is I don't want to overbuild, right? I don't want to overbuild the product. And basically as we bring on new customers, then I build the features that are needed then as we like add on a new editor and that kind of thing. I just know that this is like, assuming we sign on more customers, which I assume that we will, then this is going to become an issue. So I'm just trying to like think ahead to it. Like I'm not going to subscribe yet, but and then the question is, do we buy it, right? And use like connect team or something like that or Airtable, or do I build it into our system, right? And I don't really want to build that capacity planning software. I don't know if there's like a WordPress plugin I can use for that or something like that. But anyways, that's just that's yeah. just been something that's been on my I can mind show you our, on the ops our side. Our Airtable instance that we use at The Good sometime because we, we have um, the writers and then we have like their rates in there and stuff like that. Like mm. we have their whole rate sheet. And if you picture it like a Google sheet, there's like a tab yeah. that has just a directory of all the writers we've ever worked with and their rate at the time and the type of work they do, like case studies versus articles. You can filter all those things just like you could in Google Sheets. But the next tab over is actually the article workflow. And so I can kind of cross-reference those two and I could say, new article in the queue, writing brief is ready, needs to be assigned. Let me go over to the writer's tab. Let me look at what rate mm -hmm. makes sense. Let me look at availability. Let me look at specialty. Okay, yeah. I'm going to uh, click a drop down menu and I'm going to assign that to writer A, right? And mm -hmm. so it, it could maybe solve your problem. I guess my next question is, do these things need to be assigned right away? Or is it something where you have 24 to 48 hours to turn this piece around and it can wait until John comes on his shift at night versus someone else? Yeah, it doesn't need to be assigned right away. It's more of a like looking over the next couple of days because right now it's like, okay, Sophia has this availability mm. and Finch has this availability. And that's easy to keep in mind, right? But once we have James and Sarah and Michael, right? Then it's, okay, this becomes a bit too much. And obviously I can, we can put it in a Google sheet, like short term, but it just becomes super manual tracking and it doesn't scale. But anyways, yeah, that's, that's helpful. Shifting real quick to kind of marketing and sales updates. On the marketing side, I've been doing, obviously SEO takes some time to get going, but I've kind of, I've built out basically pages for our main offerings, right? I'm starting to see some traction there, starting to, you know, generate good, or, some decent organic traffic. Obviously like it's still small, but for a, a pretty new service and site. It, I'm generating leads from it. I'm generating demos from it. So that's, mm -hmm. that's great. So I'm continuing to push on that, promoting, uh, creating content, publish a few new data studies around for B2B SaaS homepages and e-commerce homepages, kind of a study on how many of them have errors, spelling errors, grammar errors, that kind of thing. So that got some traction, which was interesting. Got some kind of like engagement and such going on. So that was cool. I've been testing out Google ads. I finally got a, my Google ads account approved because <laughs> it got, I think I mentioned last time that I got banned as soon as I created it. I'm like, what the F? So I raised a stink and, and got it back, which is great. But funny enough, the search engines in this space, they, I think it's more set up for like job boards and such because they start trying to like 
bid me against editor jobs and copy editor jobs and that kind of thing. And we started getting a bunch of applicants for editors. And I'm like, I don't need more editors. <laughs> right. So I had to go in and just apply a ton of like negative keywords. I'm like, no, I'm not looking for editors. I actually want people that are searching for like copy editing services and blog editing services and proofreading services and that kind of thing. So that was that was kind of funny to see. They, they do that with Credo. Google does that with Credo as well, where they're like, you should bid for whatever content marketing jobs. And I'm like, ah, not relevant. It's just like it's what yeah. they prioritize, probably because it's highest volume and highest like, you know, CPC. So I get it, but you know, there's just, it's, it's not a, it's not a set in, forget it, just set it up and be like, yeah, Google's going to do their job. and going to do it well. Like not, not that at all. So it's a little frustrating know. because it's kind of close, right? Like it's like it the is. people, it, like it, it's people looking for content editing jobs, but it's also people looking to post their content editing job. And if they're going to go post a full-time role, then editor ninja could be something that, well, do you really want to hire full-time? Do you really need that? Are you kind of stretching yourself to get there? we can kind of be a nice right. bridge for you or we can be an alternative right. option that's more affordable. So it is, it's like frustratingly right. close. There could be some yeah. candidates in there. Yeah, P- professional content, a professional content editing team for the price of a full-time hire or something like that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's, it is definitely mixed. I guess I've always assumed that it was like people searching for a job, like to get hired, not people looking to post a job. So right. that's, maybe, that's maybe something to look at. But I also see that we start advertising and the next day I have four editor applications. And I'm like, Okay, that's not what we're going for, right? Like we don't need right. that. So maybe I should also deprioritize the call to action of like become an editor because like mm-hmm. it's not really something that we're looking for. Just having a top nav drop down or down at the bottom or something like that, just to like really deprioritize it because we, we don't need it. So here's an interesting thing on the sales side, James. This is kind of like the sales update plus like one of the challenges I'm dealing with is where the main challenge I'm dealing with at this point is I realized that, so all the demos that I did in February, we're in March now, in February, they were all with companies that are producing like six figures of content a month. So a few in-house teams and then a few agencies. And so I was talking with my, with my coach, Chris, last week. And I was like, I was expecting a lot more like smaller people, right? I was picturing like the design pickle model where it's, they're like, what, 500 bucks a month, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously they're producing content where, you know, producing design assets, we're editing it. So it's, there's some differences there, but I was expecting a lot more like smaller people and subscriptions. And Chris was like, you've stumbled upon the enterprise segment. So you actually need to change your sales, like scripts, your sales model, your pricing, <laughs> like all of that in order to, to bring it on, which I was like, yeah, I, I think you're actually right. And, and this is probably why I'm realizing that I have a lot in the pipeline, but none of it is, none of those demos have closed yet. I'll be completely honest. None of them have closed. A couple of them have ghosted me, which I'm like, that's not cool, but I'll, I'll keep following up, right? Um, that's what I tell people to do. Keep following up until they tell you no. So I'll keep following up until I'm told no. But a couple of them have been like, follow back around with me in like April or May because they're using like a content creation service that supposedly has editors. And I've heard this a few places. People are like, we're using this service that has editors, but content is not coming back to us edited. And it's not in keep with our style guide and that kind of thing. And so like this one, one in particular... They were like, I talked to my boss about this, but like he's dubious about using another service because the content writing service we're using is supposed to be editing as well. And so we want to see if we can get it out of them. And I'm like, well, you've been doing that for six months and you haven't gotten it. So you really think a month is going to make a difference? But, you know, I'm like, cool. Yeah, I get it. Let me know if your boss wants to talk to me. I'm happy to send a doc through so you can see what we can do, how much better it gets, like that kind of thing. But I'm, I'm just realizing that there's a shift. I thought this was going to be as easy to sell as like Credo has been selling in agencies to sell them leads. And it, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. really not, even though it's like lower price than what like Credo is, 
it's a different like sales cycle and I'm having to build a lot more trust on the front end and really get down our sales process, which is just not yeah. something I expected to do. And it's not even though I'm going to give up because this is too hard. It's, it's actually just really intriguing to me because I'm a pretty good salesperson and none of this is closing. I'm not used to failing. So yeah. like, how, how do I get better at this? So anyways, that's, that's my update. Yeah. I mean, part of that could just be like you went into it assuming that it'd be an SMB kind of mindset or like maybe design pickle is not a small business to a lot of folks, but you know what I mean? Compared to Adobe or something big, it's not, it's certainly Their not customers enterprise. are SMBs. Yeah. 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 So if you just come in with a mindset and you get kind of caught off guard by the difference in needs or wants or desires, whatever goals, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stake in that, but I would say like, it is kind of a tough place to be because of the nature of the service, right? It's like editing. It's kind of, it's kind of like a nice to have, right? It's like a, and on yeah. top of that, it's something that has gotten, commoditized, unfortunately, by people that say, yeah, we also do that, right? Like we're a content marketing agency. <laughs> right. And yeah, of course, of course right. we edit every piece. Of course, right? right. Like right. we run into right. that with the good all the time where everybody does CRO. Yeah. We'll design you a new yeah. e-commerce site and, and we'll run CRO on it. What does that even mean? So when you're, right. when you're a specialist and when you're an expert in a field, when somebody says that, it just drives you crazy because what they're doing is not true conversion optimization. It's just right. following best practices or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's the surface level. Like that's the, the sure. 5% or less of CRO. So I think editing is the kind of the same way where it's like, does editing every piece make it better? Absolutely. Right. But if you have somebody over here telling you, of course we edit every piece, then it's hard to say, okay, let me tack on yet another provider to just do the editing piece. When I have this perceived full service kind of agency already working with me on the production side of things. So I can see as a marketing leader, why that's a little bit tough to like add on another service. And also there's another timeline associated with that, right? There's another like billing experience that comes along with that. So I think that's the bigger challenge there is if you're already working with somebody, especially like if they have an in-house team that does all the production and they just want you to edit, I think that's the sweet spot where it's like all your in-house production is done, but to have two separate agencies where it's okay, start the timer on the content production that takes two weeks and then it's done. Okay. Start the timer on the editing because the editing can't start until the draft is done and handed right. off from the other agencies. Right. That's where you get messy. I've been thinking about these, are there like integrations that need to happen there? Do we need to have, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what that looks like yet, but it's, it's intriguing to me. And also these things that I, I don't want it to become an agency, right? Like I don't want to be a full service, right. like content agency. It's not really interesting to me. And it's not like what this business is initially supposed to be. Yeah. And, but also like I recognize it's early days and I don't want to like shift to that and say like, all right, now we're doing this. We're doing content writing, like not interesting. Let's give it enough time to, to figure it out and see like where that like sweet spot is and who's the customer that it might be these people that like they're coming to us because they're using a, a content company. I'm trying not to mention any of them, but like they're using one of these like various content companies out there that's producing a ton of content, but they're not getting the editing that they need. And they're like, well, these, we weren't actually getting what we needed there. So they get the value of editing but they also right. know when editing is not happening. And so then they're like, all right, now we recognize the value of paying for a dedicated copy editing service. Yeah. I don't Maybe know. an interesting idea. Like I would almost be tempted to, if you, if you, these names are the same names keep coming up, like I'd almost be tempted to go to the leader there and just be like, Hey, just wanted you to know that like on the market, here's what I'm hearing. What do you think about yeah. white labeling? What do you think about bringing us into your process at the tail end mm-hmm. and white labeling through editor ninja and and having these complaints go away and i never have to touch the client you keep the same clients you just kind of inject my pricing and yeah. my service into the back end of yours so that it actually yeah. gets edited i mean that would be messy and, and maybe that's a distraction but that is one way to think of it is do you just start white labeling or swapping referrals with these content marketing production agencies yeah. and and yeah. being part of their process right yeah i mean they've already got my customers Right. So I've been thinking about how do I partner with them? How do I do like webinars with them? Like that kind of thing. 
but hey, maybe they just pass the cost along. It's basically like white yeah. labeled and we're just fulfillment on the back end. And that's fine. There are plenty of businesses out there that like sneakily make a load of money by basically doing that. They have their like front end consumer, like direct working with clients level, but on the back end, they're like editing all the content for this big like content company that's producing $2 million of words a month. Yeah. Cause I think about uh, it for Castaway. If I were to use editor Ninja for Castaway, like I would, I would try to find a way to raise prices to accommodate that. And I, and right. I would use it as a selling point. I'd be like, Hey, every single piece that we put together for you is reviewed by somebody who has a master's in fine arts is a trained editor and has like this academic and educational background. And they have a few years of experience. That would be my sales pitch for Castaway. Right, so it's like, right. what other podcast promotion agency is going to go to that length for you? And that's why we charge what we charge because yeah. we produce the best product. But it would be really hard for me to go to an, an existing client now and say, I'm going to raise your rates by $200, $300 a month or whatever totally. to accommodate for this new editor. That I, So I, I wouldn't be able to do it on, retroactively. But on the front end, I could certainly increase my price from $1,500 a month to $1,750 or whatever makes sense or $2,000. Mm -hmm. And then as part of the selling proposition, just be like, you don't need to edit our pieces because they come ready to roll uh, because we work with these providers, that kind of thing. Totally. Totally. Why don't you go into your update and then we can get into the kind of the go deeper on this discussion around like on demand, bespoke, yeah. all, all that stuff. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. So on the Castaway side of things, operationally, we pushed the new website live. I think that was one of my like small accountability measures from the last time we talked was to make sure that yeah. the version two of the website gets live. That's up at trycastaway.com powered by card, uh, very simple website builder. And it's actually a good transition from what we were just talking about because you're talking about sales processes and some of these hangups. If you look right in the primary navigation, I literally have objections as one of the elements. And that's my version of FAQs. I'm sick of seeing FAQs in the primary navigation. Like your page should just answer FAQs. What I'm here to do is bust up your objections before you have a chance to complain about them. And I don't know if it's working. I don't know what the first reaction is from prospects. Um, but I'm basically like, what are all the reasons that somebody might not work with Castaway? Let me just go ahead and directly address those. Like, you think I don't understand your industry? Well, we have dozens of writers on our staff and we do our best to pair you with somebody who has direct experience in what you're working on. And by the way, here yeah. are the industries we don't work with explicitly, right? Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of stuff in there, but I'm basically like, every time I'm on a sales call and I write down something new, I just want to drop it in here as another objection that we can just proactively bust up if we have a good response to mm -hmm. it. And some things like maybe we just don't have, maybe they're right. Like maybe... Maybe this is better if you have, uh, you just got venture funding and you have a big marketing team and you have a dedicated like audio video editor or something like that. Like maybe we're not the right fit for you and that's okay. But for the people who are, it's yeah, that was, that was kind of my spin. So that's the new site. Uh, I think it's looking pretty good and I'm not in a rush to uh, move to the version 3.0 of the site. So I think we were talking last time about WordPress versus Webflow. Mm -hmm. And I said I had a provider and I was like, do I just write a check for five grand to get them to, to build me something with a CMS element yep. to it. And I'm just going to table that like we the way that things are working now on the sales front, we certainly don't need a new site to sell more. I do think yeah. there will be a point where and, and the milestone is probably going to be bring on an account manager or something like that so that I can really focus mm -hmm. on sales. But like the, the next time I get enough breathing room to work on the business, then it might make sense because I do think there's a big content element here. There's an organic search element here that like the, the sooner you start sowing those seeds, the longer they have to kind of germinate and start driving those that passive attention, right? That inbound traffic right. to you. So yeah. I don't want to put that off too long, but I'm not in a rush to get there. This is a good mm -hmm. next step. And I think it'll last us as long as we need it to. Go it's ahead. a lot better yeah. than your previous site. Like it's clearer on packages and cost and that sort of thing. It's I think it's a good next step for you, right? And we just, sometimes just kind of need to step up into these things. And you're also in a good spot if like, 
you don't need a better site to sell more, right? That means that you're getting that attention. You're able to send this a different spot than I'm at, right? I'm working on the business a ton, not like in the business too much because I need to work on it to get more customers so then I can work in it. So anyways, yeah. um, it, it looks yeah. it looks good. Thanks. Thanks. And there's some more I'd like to do to it. Like it doesn't really have any social proof now because a lot of the work that we're doing is either under NDA or it's like friends and family and it's a little too like mm-hmm. there's nepotism there. Like we work for the good, right? And that's literally who employs me. So I just don't feel great. There's some sample right. assets out there, but I'm not going to put a yeah. case study from the good because what am I going to do? Interview myself or my CEO? Like that just doesn't feel right to me. I literally <laughs> thought not... about putting my own face as a testimonial on Editor Ninja because Credo yeah. uses Editor Ninja, but I, yeah. I don't know. I haven't done it yet, but I'm not above it short term. Yeah. So I'll probably add some social proof as soon as we can get around to producing something. But other than that, I think yeah. this will get us by for a while. Yeah. I did start outsourcing more. Like I brought on more contractors for the delivery work, the actual creation of uh, articles and video clips and things like that. Probably still carrying like 40% of the load there, but it feels good to make progress mm-hmm. in that direction. And I think with every new sale that happens, it's I feel more confident in putting somebody on retainer or, or something like that, right? Having near full-time kind of uh, contribution, one person at a time. It only takes a couple of subscriptions more for me to really feel comfortable about, okay, like I just have a an audio video editor to make these video clips like 30 hours a week mm-hmm. and that's all I do. Mm-hmm. But we're not quite there yet. But the day that happens, that'll be really great. Yeah. So yeah, and then on the, speaking of sales and marketing, in February, I, I published some numbers on Twitter, but we did 7,500 gross revenue at about a 35% margin. Some projects are more awesome. profitable than other, but that's kind of a blended report. And yeah, that's nice the sweet work. spot, man. That's that's right where I want to be. And goal is a six feels... figure business. You're eight hundred and thirty three dollars off of that. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, the drawback there, I guess, is that it is the balance of subscription or recurring revenue versus one off projects is still in favor of one off. And I think that's like kind of one of the bigger challenges I have is like this this productized service is the vision, right? That's what I came into this hoping to do. But then folks are just kind of like, there's always some light customization to the deliverables or something like that. And it's, yeah, that's great. And and for now, I'm happy to take that on. But when you're serving like 25 clients in a recurring subscription mm-hmm. basis with a set deliverables uh, package and everything, and that's all predictable and running like a well-oiled machine, these other things can start to feel like a distraction, right? They just throw a wrench sure. in the gears and like things don't run as smoothly. So I don't, I don't think that'll last forever, but also like I'm trying to listen to that and say, okay, well, like for example, I've gotten two sales recently that were basically not convert podcast interviews into marketing assets. They were, hey, I'm interviewing like prospective clients and it's almost like a sales mm-hmm. call. And I want to turn that into marketing material because I answer mm-hmm. questions in an intelligent way about how we can solve real problems and I'm interviewing a real business owner and I want to turn that into a video clip or a mini case study or something like that. So that happened. I delivered that project. Somebody else came in with a very similar offer and I literally copied and pasted the email pitch with the bulleted like, here's what you would yeah. get for every interview. And the response, yeah. I think I sent you a screenshot of this, was literally like, that sounds like a great place to start. Send me an invoice basically. And I'm like, okay, when that happens two times in 30 days, you start to think, Mm -hmm. is this something worth exploring more? So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not leaving podcasting. I do think that there's still demand there. I just think it's interesting how you can present yourself very clearly, at least to me in the world. Like if you look at the website, it literally says maximize the marketing value of every podcast episode. But still Mm -hmm. you get these like, tangential offerings or requests that come in. And it's, it's interesting how other people find you and they kind of do that work for you. Like how, how could I apply this? They're finding ways to work with me, which I think is a mm-hmm. signal that I can't ignore, you know? Yeah. It's, it's always interesting to me when you're building a business that like you can message towards one thing and then people are like, but can you do this? Can you also yeah. do this? Right. And it's like, well, we, and Chris Limo always tells me, he's like, don't tell people no, 
just tell them what it would cost them, right? Give them, give right. them an option, right? It's an add-on. It's not like a main offering, right? Like we've been talking about content style guides at, at Editor Ninja because a lot of people don't, a lot of companies producing content, they get back bad content from writers because they don't give good briefs, right? I know you put together great briefs for the good, but like most companies, even content agencies don't give good briefs. It's here's some keywords, go write, right? And then it comes back and they're like, it doesn't, it's not what we're looking for. They have the wrong headings and like all this, and they're trying to like bolt on, they're doing it for SEO. They're trying to bolt it on, right? Yeah. And it's like styles are all over the place. Some Chicago, some's AP, some's MLA, like that kind of thing. And like for the same client and they're frustrated, right? And they're like, oh, the writer sucks. I'm like, no, actually like you just don't have a good like style guide for them that they need to write towards and then that the editor can edit towards. So, so the question is like main service versus versus add-on. And also when you're early on, take what you can get right. while trying to target your ideal. Because if you if podcast is the thing you want to do, then maybe you need to try to build some partnerships with Transistor, Anchor, or whoever, right? Yeah. Probably, probably the paid platforms, right? Castos, Transistor, Castos, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the original premise was anything that starts with video should also be written, right? So that's why it's called Castaway. Like people think I started with podcasts. It was actually anything you broadcast. It was like webinars, mm -hmm. private workshops for your membership community. If you go do a conference talk, like anytime that you broadcast something and appear on the web yeah. in an audio or video format, there's a way to chop yep. that up and repurpose that into something written that can mm -hmm. have an SEO angle to it. It can have a social media angle to it. It can have a personal branding angle to it. You can bundle right. multiples up and make eBooks or whatever. Like this is all true. And so it started yeah. very generalist and I kind of had this gut feeling, but also I got a lot of input from people that I trust and they're like, look, you got to pick one so that the value proposition is clear. Like you just got to put your stake in the ground and say, mm. we convert podcast episodes as a starting point and you can swap mm -hmm. that headline out anytime you want to but you got to pick one. And, and so podcasting was the one that yeah. seemed to have the momentum behind it and the interest. And I, I still think it's a smart play. I still think it'll work out, but it is just interesting mm -hmm. how people from all different walks of life come in and they say, okay, can you repurpose my a video case study into a written case study? Yeah, we'll find a way to do it. So we've got the raw materials laying here in the factory and we've got mm -hmm. the equipment and the, and the people who can do it. Like, why would I say no to that right now? Totally. So totally. Cool. Yeah. I, I think the next step for me, I think is like talent sourcing. We're talking about like out outsourcing or, or hiring more and allowing me to focus more on like the sales side of things and the marketing side of things with, to, to increase the demand. And then you kind of get that flywheel spinning, right? But I got to get out of the delivery mode. And it's mm -hmm. the, the complexity I'm running into there is I'm not just hiring writers or just hiring editors. I'm hiring like writers that write articles, writers that have a social media focus, and then audio or video editors to make the clips. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like fishing, right? Like you use a different lure to catch a different type of fish because they like it better. Or you, you go to a different location because they like shady branches instead of like sunlit, I don't know, areas around the dock. I'm not a huge fisherman in case anybody couldn't tell, but you get what I'm saying. Or if, or if you're yeah. going to go deep sea fishing, you need a different rig than if you're going to go fishing in your local creek. So it's kind of like one of those things yep. where, yeah, I've hired in the past, but I, I'm not sure where to go find like really talented video editors and not just video editors, mm -hmm. but video editors that are adept at making like basically TikToks, right? Like short 30 mm -hmm. to 60 second, eye-catching, yeah. engaging, like dynamic pieces of content. And they got to have that like editorial or journalistic mindset where they're like, this is the interesting part. So it's, mm -hmm. yeah, that that's my next problem to solve. I don't really know that there'll be an mm -hmm. answer here, but I'm thinking like you need somebody who identifies what to clip and then you need an expert to go in there and stylize that and make it something that's like going to stop your scrolling habit, right? Right, right, totally. 
Yeah, I was I was thinking about that this morning actually because I know some people that they record videos and then they basically someone like chops them up and they do the like quick like TikTok style things except they're doing it on Instagram. I think they're doing it on TikTok as well and with the emojis and that sort of stuff, <laughs> yeah. with, like quick hitting stuff. And as much as I kind of hate it as someone that like wants to be a Luddite and just wants to go live in the woods I and mean, wants to spend a lot of time outdoors and like away from technology, it's also so grabbing and it's so effective that I'm like, man, what if I could just like shoot these videos that I'm shooting on my walks in the mornings and send it to someone and they take care of all the cutting up, creating that, publishing it, sharing it to my stories, like all that sort of stuff. And that's what grows the audience. I don't know. Yeah. But it seems like you need, you're trying to establish that. What does that style look like that Castaway does for, for people? It's like, you want that thing? We can do that thing, right? We're not going to go and create like custom styles for you, but like you want us to take videos and chop them up into like 30 second Instagram you know, videos, reels, I guess, technically in this style, let's go. We can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to get, cause there are a lot of tools out there that let you do this. And that's kind of how I figured things out is like, I found the right mm-hmm. tool and they have templates and then you, I don't, it's kind of like working in Photoshop or something. Yeah. If you see something out in the world from Gary Vee, you can replicate it in these tools and it's relatively simple, but that, mm-hmm. that super like high level, almost like cinematic kind of thing that you're talking about where it's mm-hmm. drop the emoji in or have a big explosion effect and with a sound that goes with that or like layer in some <laughs> yeah. b-roll or whatever that's right. that's next level and i'd love to get to a place where we basically have three examples which style do you like right do you like the mm-hmm. buttoned up professional kind of minimalist where we focus on the words do you like this really mm-hmm. cinematic engaging like dynamic or do you like whatever option three is and then we just kind of assign that to the yeah. the account as their preference and then we find the right video editor and you're like okay you're working with this video editor here because that's their core competency but i got to find that talent First, the demand is going to be there, yeah. I think, is people want that. You see them everywhere. So I think people want those. Mm-hmm. It's more like, can I reliably provide those? And to use the word that we both hate so much, scale, can I can I do that to a dozen <laughs> clients, not just three clients, right? Because sure. right now that's totally. where we're at. So yep. that's the jump. Yep. Um, can you get cool. an order of magnitude, right? You're not at scale of like a thousand customers. You probably never get there, but can you 4X, right? And 4X from however many, right? For me, 4X from three is 12. There's a whole lot of things that change there, but it's not scale. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. So we'll throw our icebreaker in at the end, which is kind of like runs <laughs> antithetical to everything an icebreaker stands for. Yeah. But I think we wanted to go with this a la carte versus subscription topic yeah. here. I think that's been top of mind for us. So what do you think in there? I mean, we've kind of been discussing it as we go here. You're wrestling with you're getting these people coming in, kind of wanting like one-off things, custom things. Can you also do this? But you know, where the, where the magic comes in a business like this are those retainers, right? In the, in the agency world. Right. And so even if it's a like productized service, there's still a lot of corollaries too. Yes, there's it's it's a specific thing that you sell and like people buy the thing, but it's still a retainer, right? So it's basically an agency model. Subscriptions are where it comes in. But what I've been thinking is, and I actually put up like a, because I've had a few people recently, you know, have, well, so I said earlier that we haven't gotten any new subscriptions, right? Any new subscribers in the last like three weeks, four weeks, whatever. But we have had a number of like single documents come through, right? On-demand documents is what I'm thinking about calling them. So I'm like, what if we basically do those like at cost to show someone what we can do? Of course, we have to get it right. Like we did one the other day that came back and like the writing was not great. And then they were super picky on the editing. And I'm like, you should be way pickier on the writing than you're on the editing. But like also, yes, there yeah. are a couple of places here that we like missed the marks. So like we have to make sure that's super buttoned up and no like human editing is going to be perfect. Like ever. I think like in a book, you should expect one typo or error per 5,000 words, 3,000 words, something like that, Mm -hmm. like in a book, right? So no edit, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but we can also like 
build in things to make it better. But how do you lower that barrier to entry to someone to show them what you can really do to get them to that? I, I call it the, the, oh shit, that's amazing moment, right? Yeah. Like first time I got one of my credo pieces edited by an editor through Editor Ninja, it came back and I'm like, wow, I'm a pretty good writer. And like, this just elevated everything. Like I saw 70 edits on it, even just like commas and like that sort of stuff, but just read so much better. So moving around of sentences, I was like, wow, this is way better, right? Like, why would I yeah. not do this for every piece? So how do we get them to that? Like, wow, this is amazing moment. And then that kind of comes back to that value ladder, I guess, or like kind of the, the levels of getting people committed, right? Like maybe you offer like, maybe you offer like a free tool, like a free grammar checker that uses the Grammarly API that says like, you have 50 suggestions on this document, right? Yep. Want to see them? Cl click here to get this document edited professionally or something like that. And then we have the single document. And so we have like free checker, single document, like at cost basically, or like lower cost. And then ultimately it's a subscription. But how do we work people into that? I don't think it works on the enterprise level, but like for the lower end, the, the base plan, the base unlimited plan, I think that model could work. But I know you're playing with this as well. So I'd love your like take on it too. Yeah, I think there's definitely subscription fatigue out there, right? I see this in the e-commerce space. Like not every physical yeah. product has to have a subscription element to it. I just no. don't need a new pair of jeans every month. I just don't need no. that many jeans. No. I, I wear like yep. the same four and I just rotate them. So <laughs> it's like- I do need it, new jeans, but yeah, I don't need a subscription. Right. Yeah. But, but then some things do lend themselves to subscription. If you publish a podcast episode every week, Castaway makes sense because you're never going to stop publishing that podcast right. unless something goes wrong, right. right? So the monthly subscription makes sense. Editing, if you're putting out new blog posts every single month and you're investing on the production side of that, you want to optimize the quality of those through editing. So I don't think we're yeah. off base in prioritizing subscriptions because a lot of folks will do it just because they, they're like, I want recurring revenue. I want to make money while I sleep. Like I want a stable floor. Like that's, that's only part of the equation. It has to actually make sense <coughs> for your customers. Right. So I don't have any right. reservations about our approach there. I think your point about the aha moment or whatever is is really astute because like that what when I started applying the castaway model to the stuff we're doing at the good before when we would get a lead we always asked like where'd you hear about us right everybody does that if they run an agency and it was always like it was a referral or I think I read a blog post that you did sometime or whatever and then after about six months of doing this content repurposing angle and like just running the content production flywheel that migrated into, we still don't have perfect attribution. They're not like, I heard you on this exact podcast on this episode where sure. you talked about this topic, but they started saying things like, I don't know, I just see you guys everywhere. And, and a lot mm. of people I know are talking about you and your name comes up a lot. Like that specific phrase where it's, I see you guys everywhere. That was my aha moment. Like, holy shit, this stuff is working. Like the, just, just being on multiple mm. channels in a, in a thoughtful way is mm -hmm. kind of casting a wider net. And I would love to know exactly which channel they came in through, but the point is it's working. Like they're just seeing us and we're getting those seven touches that marketing professors like to tell you, you got to see a message seven <laughs> yeah. times before you you take yeah. action. Like we're, yeah. we're getting those reps in, right? So that was my aha moment. I think your point about that mm -hmm. is astute. We're like, what is that for each of these businesses, right? So yeah, I, yeah. I think it's, but I think the the low barrier to entry is, is something that we're going to have to solve both of us because like mm -hmm. subscription fatigue is part of it. I don't want yet another subscription. I don't want yet another monthly thing. Even if you put on your website, like in big, mm -hmm. bold font, cancel anytime, no questions asked, right? Like you can do that. So it's, you can literally sign on for $1,500 this month and cancel at the end of the month and I'll never charge you again. But still that like higher number for whatever reason, it just raises more yeah. concern and it, and it attracts more scrutiny. So like, how do you get somebody in? I mean, in an earlier version of the Castaway site, I had just just buy a test episode today. Like just just yeah. send us your episode yep. and um, we'll run through the process and we'll give you the assets and it's some very low dollar amount or whatever. It's 300 bucks and, and we do something for you. The problem I ran into that was like, 
you can only do so much with aligning with somebody's brand or you know what I mean? Like you can't, cause there's right. a lot of front end work that let's get the logo, the color palette, yep. the font, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Right. So that, that would not be super profitable, but at the same yeah. time, like I think the premise is valid. It's can you, can you edit one piece from start to finish for 250 bucks and have that be the entry point and then try to upsell them mm-hmm. into a subscription or you know, some other ways I've tried to tackle this is like, bundles mm-hmm. can instead of doing a subscription can i just say if your a podcast is season based just buy a season mm-hmm. what is it eight episodes 12 episodes what do you want to do just just pay for 12 episodes right. as a bundle i'll right. even let you distribute that that expense across three months if that's what yeah, you want to totally. do yep. which is basically yep. a three-month subscription but yeah you're yep. just aligning to how they define it right yeah. so yeah i think I, don't, I think in your in your case it does make sense to do a sample piece but you might have the same challenge mm-hmm. i have where it's like you're trying to align with style guide. You're trying to get to know their industry. You're trying to review their writing brief and everything. Yeah. Assuming they have a writing brief, like we do ask for that now <laughs> after this last one, right? Where they were yeah. like, well, but this is wrong. We're like, you didn't tell us you needed it according to that format, right? So now we have a link to that link us to the brief and the style guide. And we say like, if you don't have it, we're going to edit to MLI format. That's, that's yeah. how it works. So yeah, you're, you're totally right though. And it makes me think of, I think it was Jonathan Dane at a client boost that he, he wrote a piece one time about the, he called it the breadcrumb technique. It's like, how do you lead people to doing the thing ultimately that, that you're trying to get them into, right? Into, into a subscription for Castaway or for Editor Ninja. Yeah. And so what's kind of, what are those like initial steps, right? So maybe for us, one thing I've been thinking about is maybe we have a sign up. It's like, it's a free account, get a free Editor Ninja account. And then basically it's pay by the document, right? Yeah. So like the fact they've already given us their email and they can get into the product. They can see their queue, right? When they like upload it and they just pay for it right there because they're on the free account. Then they see that it's gone to the editor and that kind of thing is then they're really starting to understand it, but they're more willing to do that because they're seeing the product and they've already given us their information, right? They've already yeah. created an account. So there's a little bit of lock in there. So it's, it's, it's not freemium, but it's, it is a, it is a free account. Um, that's just like that next step as opposed to I'm filling out this whole form and brief and they're asking me to pay before I've told you anything, right? It might be a little right. bit too high of a barrier to entry. So they, they click on an on-demand document or single document, boom, create your account, boom, here's where you fill out the brief. And then, hey, now it's here in your queue. Yeah. I'd love to see you do something like with an abandoned cart sequence or something like that, or set up Hotjar and do one of those live chat widgets with a survey question, but only if they're going to exit. Mm. So exit intent and just say, Hey, what's yeah. holding you back? Like what, what, why are you hesitant? Cause I wonder the only way mm. to know is to talk to customers, but we might be sitting totally. here saying it's, it's price or it's, they don't want to commit long-term, but what it might really be is look, I don't know if I publish enough content to make this worth it. My content publishing is kind of sporadic, mm. right? Like I'm still doing it myself mm-hmm. and, or my marketing director is writing my stuff or the freelancers, right. like they don't always hit their deadlines or whatever. So it's like this month I might have two pieces. Next month I might have eight. And I just don't want to be locked into a monthly subscription with a set amount if I can't take full advantage of it and it doesn't average mm-hmm. out for me. Like it could be something like that. So there's really only one way to yeah. figure that out. And then then you can address that objection because like the easy reaction is let's just give them a money back guarantee or something like that. Or, or give, them a, give them a free trial run, Which we give have. them a money back guarantee yeah. for their first yeah. month. And right. that kind of like assuages any of the money fears. But what if it's not a money fear? What if, I mean, tangentially, I that's a money fear, but like really that's a fear of I'm not going to use this service and I'm not going to get my value out of it. Right. And that's, that's a right. me problem. And I don't right. think you really know that until you directly ask, Hey, if you decide not to go with us, like maybe, maybe that's a thing where, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the enterprise clients that are kind of ghosting you right now, it's just like, Hey, what's holding you back? What, what's yeah. the, you know, what, what's on your mind? And you just kind of, what is Have you heard of the concept of the perfect? Is it called the perfect? I think it's called the perfect. Yeah. Email. Dean Jackson. Yeah. Oh, is that what it's from? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's basically, if this is no longer a priority for you, like we'll just let it go or something like that. Or, yeah. So I'm not saying you should do that, but that always comes up in these times where it's, you got somebody on the fence. It kind of works. I use a version of that. I I send him an email. I'm like, Hey, sound looks, haven't heard back from you. Looks like you might be going in a different direction. What could I have done to make it a no brainer for you? Yeah. Right. And then they're like, Oh, that's interesting. Like what, what, what would that have been? (laughs) And then they're like, actually there's nothing like I should just do it. And then they do it. That's happened before too. But yeah, that's a good call. And I I was thinking about doing a widget like that. Like what's, what's holding you back. Right. Yeah. Why, why didn't you sign up or I don't, and I don't know if you would recommend doing like uh, a few different options, right? Like too expensive. I'm not producing enough content, like something like that. Or is it just like kind of a free, free tech? I think Hotjar has, uh, you, there are a bunch of different tools to do this, but Hotjar's top of mind for me. But I think they have where you can, step one is choose from these options. And then step two yeah. is optional. And it's, if you want to say more about that, tell me why, right? If you choose too expensive, there's an open yeah. field on step two before you hit submit that says, tell mm-hmm. me why, like how far off are we? Is it a thousand dollars a month too expensive? Or is it like, right. eh, if it was 250 bucks less, I would sign today. Okay. If I'm willing to give that, like, I'll close that deal today, right? Whatever. So mm-hmm. I think you can do that option. And I wouldn't choose between the two because I think mm-hmm. like you're, if you only choose the single select, then you'll get more engagement, but also you're kind of like seeding the thought to them. So they might mm-hmm. be constrained to the four options you present to them when really it's option five that's not visible, but because right. their natural inclination is to pick one of these four, that's the only option, they're gonna be forced into one of those. So you might not get yeah. complete data. At the same time, if you leave it as an open field, like your engagement or your submission rate will go way down and it's, are you gonna right. get enough to really make a decision? Right. I don't know, I think, you're, I think your point though about getting them into your ecosystem is really smart. Even if it was like, Hey, we have this yeah. kind of free plan where it's like you can get one document a month or whatever you can absorb cost wise. But mm-hmm. if it's like, hey, you can have 12 documents a year if you really want to, who's really going to abuse it that much? Not that many people, I bet. Some people might. But what if you just got them into your ecosystem and you're just like, you can get one free document a month if you want and um, just put in here the limits like 1500 words or something like that. And mm-hmm. just be diligent about following up with those people manually, like assuming you can yeah. track have they submitted their free document every month for six months? Well, then step in and say, we're going to shut this off or can we have a conversation or something? You know what I mean? Right. It, it does require right. some hands-on time. But yeah. yeah, I do think there's value in walking through the through the process because that that is part of the value. Yeah. Is if these things are streamlined, they feel great. If, they, if they're if yeah. they not streamlined, it's more work to work with a contractor or an external provider than to just do it in-house. And so I think if totally. you feel confident in your system, like getting somebody to go through that a few times feels like yeah. a good a good step forward. Well, well I don't disagree. Well, man, we're at the we're at the top of the hour, and I know I got to be getting to something yeah. you probably do as well. So, shall we wrap this up? Yeah, let's do it. I, I think we're gonna tout the website from here on out. WorkingSessions.fm is where you will find us. Uh, the latest episode will always be pinned to the top. I'm really trying to talk Justin Jackson into giving me a. Uh, the ability to customize the the top navigation so I can add a newsletter link there because I'd really love to do uh, an email newsletter where we kind of summarize what we talked about today into cliff notes, right? And send them only to email subscribers just so we can have a closer relationship with them and have a little bit of a back and forth. But yeah, as always, uh, we'll, we'll be listening for any feedback on the episode and you can subscribe if you haven't already at workingsessions.fm. Thanks everyone. Appreciate it. And uh, you should be able to, by the time this episode comes out, find it on your favorite pod catcher, I guess is what they call them. I heard a, a host the other day say, and you can subscribe wherever you're listening now. And I was like, that's really smart. Cause like they're clearly <laughs> listening to it somewhere. So like yeah, if, if your show's there, yep. just subscribe where you're listening right now. Yep, exactly. Perfect. Well, subscribe wherever you're listening right now and we'll catch you next time. See you, James.